podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Yeah, I'm gonna take my horse to the old town road. I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. I'm gonna take my horse to the old town road. I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. I got the horses in the back. Horse stock is attached. Pop culture. Brandon Phoenix, aka I also hate pit. All by myself. I do this all by myself. Uh, Jordan's helping me record, but talking wise, it's all by myself. Jeremy J. N. Fiend is not in the building today. Shout out to him, though, little brother, always here in spirit, always giving his to the crew. Um, but today, I just want to talk about something that's happening in popular culture, and it's mostly happening because Aunt Becky is a part of it. What is that? The college admission scandal. The college admission scandal basically, rich people paid money then lied and manipulated the system to get their kids into schools that they otherwise would not have qualified to get into or not in the positions or places that they did. And what I'll say to you about that is, duh. For the history of mankind, from beginning to end, people with the most get the most. They do the most. They manipulate systems or they design systems so that they win. I don't know why anybody is surprised by this. The only thing I'm surprised by is that they got caught. So if you're surprised by this, I don't know what to tell you, but you're in for a rude awakening for the entire rest of society. They're not the only ones cheating. These are not the only schools involved. These people did not invent this, and it's been happening, and it won't stop happening. What will happen is they'll find new ways to cheat. It's just like sports. Everybody wants to talk about the steroid scandal in baseball. They want to talk about Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa. Well, back in the 70s, there were guys who took basically amphetamines because they played every single day. And they went out at night and drank too much and partied too much and had to get up and go out and hit fast baseballs the next day or pitch fast baseballs the next day. So they took these little pills called greenies. They took them by the handful. That's cheating. The same as anything else. What happened? You just change the way you cheat because cheating always evolves. And the same thing's going to happen with this college admission scandal. It's politics. It's money. It's human nature. You should be everything except surprised. And the fact that some of you are surprised really does worry me. It makes me worry about the population. It makes me think, where have you been or what have you been listening to? What do you read do you think that, <laughs> like, do you think this stuff only happens in movies and TV shows? This is not, like, it's not made up. It's real life. And I would expect nothing less. How? The rule is you don't get caught. These people got caught, so they're going to pay the price. Probably. What do I mean by that? Well, do you think these people are really getting prison time? And if they really do, if Aunt Becky gets prison time, Aunt Becky, of course, from Full House, um, that is Lori Laughlin and Felicity Huffman also implicated, indicted, I should say, even. If these people do get prison time, it's not going to be like Orange is the New Black. All right, guys? They're going Martha Stewart style. It's going to be very comfortable. Bernie Madoff style, very comfortable. They're not doing hard time. Ain't nobody outside breaking bricks. Nobody's on a chain gang. So don't get outraged by that either. 
because that's just how life works. Should it work that way? No. Do I agree with it? No. Have I been the beneficiary of it? Of course not. But am I surprised? No. And because I'm not surprised, I'm not outraged. It's just par for the course. It's just another day in the life. That's why people want to be rich and famous. (laughs) That's why for stuff like this, they don't just get into schools better than you or eat more easily than you. They get in the club more easily. They date people who are better looking. They drive better cars and they pay for all of it. So guys, relax and get you some money. (laughs) Wrap it on. Want to give a big shout out to Astor Auto, the leader in luxury automobiles and in service in the entire state of West Virginia. Jamie Spears, the man with the plan down there at Astor Auto of Charleston. When you get there, tell them the Raspy Voice Kids sent you. Big shout to Shrinkables. Shrinkables, supporting the RVK partnership since day one. Spring has sprung. A new era has begun. Neil Brown has taken over at WVU, and he's got his troops ready to rock and roll. It's the week of the spring game. I am Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt. I'm joined by Mike Casaza today. He is in the building to tell us what we want to know about our 2019 West Virginia Mountaineers. Mike, how are you? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? I know I'm better than you because you are in school getting your master's, and I did not realize that until today. Yeah, I think I've told everybody but you because I've been in that type of mood for like two weeks now where I'm just complaining and (laughs) not not enjoying the long hours, the library, and things like that. So uh, I made the mistake. I I shouldn't say a mistake. It's it's been a great thing for me. Um, I did it when I was – I started when I was at the end of my newspaper career because – you know, I don't know if anybody's told you this, but newspapers aren't exactly on solid footing. It uh, turns out and I am aware of that. Yeah, well, I have all sorts of ways I can lose my job on my own. Uh, I didn't want to lose my job by buyouts or paper folding. And I fortunately got out just in time because, unfortunately, the paper didn't last you know, too much longer after I, after I left there. So um, I went for my second career and everything, and then I went and screwed it up, and I got a really good job where I'm at now. So I'm also like, I feel kind of like, I'm not 21. Uh, like, I went back to school later in life, but I kind of feel 21 again because I have no idea what I'm going to do with my degree <laughs> when I get it. So uh, it, it's kind of been refreshing, actually, but really hard because there's a lot happening around here, which I'm sure we'll get to. Somebody needs to tell the WVU Athletic Department that newspapers aren't going to last forever. But that's a co- co- topic for a different conversation. <laughs> I um I want you on, man, because like I've always said, you're my favorite beat writer when it comes to WVU. I've got friends, I've got more friends now who cover WVU, so that might offend them. But like everybody knows, I'm a Mike Casaza fanboy, um, and this is the first spring that I can remember, remember being genuinely excited to know what was going on, because in the past, as I've explained to people, for me, not even all the freshmen are on the squad. Um, oftentimes there are injuries. There's all kinds of things that you just can't know about the actual football team by what happens during the spring. And then the, the spring game is just this formality, or it has been for WVU. But this year it's completely different. What have you noticed as far as this new era is concerned, as far as this new coaching staff, as far as this new spring? 
You know, I'm surprised you say that because I was thinking about this. Um, and, and these are the conversations I have with people too, because everybody thinks that I know a lot, which is flattering, but also frustrating because I don't, um, you know, we don't have, we have, we're allowed around more. Like we've been to, I think there's been two closed practices. Um, and there's been two practices that we were allowed at the entire time at the very beginning, which I don't think Dana had two open practices outside of spring game. So that's, that's unusual. Um, but the other part of it is we get half an hour for the rest of them. And I think there's been maybe uh, my math is, you know, not exact here, but maybe nine or 10. So you're still talking, you know, out of 15 spring practices, you're going to see, excuse me, 14 spring practices. He only has 14 scheduled. You're going to see parts of 12 of them, which is pretty good. Actually 11, I think if you count the spring game, cause they have three that were closed. Um, so that's pretty good. I'd be lying. If I told you that I could put together like a really valid or reliable depth chart because I just don't know yet. And I'm not sure that that's really an indictment on the coaching staff as much as it is on just spring football because it's spring football. Um, what I do think is interesting is that we you were allowed to talk to a lot of people. Like we've talked to assistant coaches and coordinators and players and, and kind of a fresh batch of players and very few repeats, um, you know, all four weeks so far, which is pretty good. And you get new people and people who like to talk and we're all kind of in that getting to know you phase right now. So I've been able just to ask questions and get answers because they like to talk and they want to kind of push their product right now. So you, you kind of again gather some crumbs and you do that enough over four weeks, you kind of get a good idea. So it's, it's not more accessible necessarily in, in what you get. I think the amount of what you get is maybe better, but just because it, it's just hard to tell you what's going on right now. I really don't know a whole lot of things. And I'm sure people want to know who's the quarterback, what's the best running back, you know, how do the corners look really don't know, but not, not for lack of access or lack of effort though. I like that we don't know because I don't want our opponents to know. And I know that you have week one, and you know, that they'll get a little bit of an idea of what's going to happen. But I'm one of those guys who's willing to sacrifice what I know as a fan for what the team can produce in secret. Um, that said, Chad Scott talked today about the running backs. And Chad Scott being the assistant uh, offensive uh, coordinator as well as the running backs coach. And he said what I've thought the entire time, which is we've got four running backs that could start, that could get 20-plus carries a game. Um, there's been – you made the comment that Jack Allison is closer to Austin Kendall than people would have anticipated. What do you know about those things? Uh, I've heard people say that in front of cameras and microphones. You know, privately, I haven't heard that. I've kind of heard that McCoy is behind um, Petaway and that Brown has had a really good spring at Sinkfield is maybe not a, uh, a traditional running back that he's more of a guy who's going to be versatile. Uh, and McCoy's just been, he's been in that lineup a little bit. Uh, he missed early time for personal reasons. He's been kind of slowed up with um, uh, an ankle lately. So that's natural. Um, I think they have ideas for how they want to use Sinkfield. That's not necessarily um, aligning with what they want to do with their running backs. And, and, you know, they really, if you look at what Chad Scott's done when he's been the running back coach and what Troy has done when they've had running backs, it hasn't been a dispersion of carries. So I think it's going to be two guys mainly and if they find a way for a third, sure. Um, and I've just heard that the quarterback thing is probably natural. Um, no one is taking control of it. It's probably two people in that Allison does some things better than Kendall. Kendall does some things better than Allison, but not a lot of game experience for these guys to draw upon. I know, by the way, you know, new coaches, new offense. So um, Saturday will be really important, I think, to see, you know, who's first, second, third, fourth, uh, and then maybe how you might reorganize that at the end of the day. Um, but, yeah, people say things because you want to keep the narrative as it is. 
Um, but people tell me things a little bit different. Well, talking about what we hear versus what is real, is the offensive line as scary as um, I'm hearing? Like scary bad? I, uh, you know what? Incomplete because Sills missed some time, and that's it's hard to progress when you're second-best offensive lineman. And I think people forget he had a better year than Colton McKivitz did last year. Like He was not only – you know his grades were higher – he made the all conference team above McKivitz. Um, he moved around and just like, he was more valuable, I think in that regard too. So and I'm not trying to pick one about the other here, but that's a really good part. He missed some time and he's back now, but you know, those middle two weeks of spring are really important because that's when you really start moving. And you know, they had a bad scrimmage one day because they couldn't move the defensive line. They couldn't run the ball. Well, Sills didn't play. Um, Sills scrimmage last week and it was better. Um, left tackle, right guard, no problem there. I don't think there's a question that right now Barrett is your center and uh, Wickline is your right tackle. So at the very least, you've answered that. Um, there's no way they were going to have everything finished by the end of it. They were going to be about 40% complete because they had two other five guys. I don't think that's changed. So that's probably a good thing. I think it's not 100%, but I don't think there's question marks. The one thing it's curious is what are they going to do with um, left guard? Um Mike Brown's been good, but it sounds like Mays has done well, too, um, especially when he's played some guard when Sills couldn't play. Um, now, the issue there is he's been the backup center, so he hasn't pushed Barron. So have they solved center or the backup guard? Maybe, maybe not, just because, again, Sills missed some time, so he couldn't put Mays where he wanted him and really push Barron. So, um, again, not bad. Uh, I haven't seen him do a whole lot, I couldn't tell you, but I thought it was interesting that one practice without Sills, one scrimmage, not good. A week later, scrimmage with Sills, much better. That's more in line with where you think they would be. Um, it was never going to be an A-plus right now. I don't think it's an F, though. Okay. Because I hear, I hear, you know, I, you hear different things. Some people know stuff. Some people don't. And the message boards are a trap. I never put too much in any of that kind of stuff. Um, oh, how dare you? <laughs> listen, man, you read the message boards just like I do, so you know. Um, Why well, don't know how anybody would know these things, though? Because, again... Well, because everybody, everybody's got a cousin who's got a sister who's got a boyfriend who talked to somebody who knows. I just try carefully would be my advice, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Raspberry Voice Kids are brought to you in part by the Pizza Place in Morgantown. They have the official pepperoni roll of the Raspy Voice Kids. They are located at 3011 North Point Plaza in Morgantown, West Virginia. If you are in town near the mile ground, you got to get to the pizza place. It is the greatest pizza you will ever taste. I don't care what anybody says. Shout out to our boys, Mike and Luca. Astorg Auto of Charleston is West Virginia's premier automotive luxury dealer. We sell Land Rover, Jaguar, Mercedes-Benz, Volvo, and Audi brands. We also have a wide variety of pre-owned luxury cars at our store on Corridor G. Our service department also goes the extra mile and aims to exceed your expectations. We offer free pickup and delivery on service appointments to make your life easier. Come experience a new level of service. Astorg Auto of Charleston, a tradition of automotive excellence. Learn more at astorgauto.com. Um, so receivers, we've got a lot of talent. That's one thing Dana did recruit well all the time, including getting transfers. Um, but a lot of unproven talent. And then you've got Marcus Sims, who's out with what was called a personal issue and then suggested that he had the hamstring was still bothering him. What do you think about the receiving core? What are you hearing? Um, I think what we can figure out is that they really like 
you know, different personnel packages that are going to feature a tight end and two running backs or just two running backs. And my context clue there is that they like Sam James and Marcus Wheaton outside. Wait a minute. Bryce Wheaton. I'm sorry. Sam James and Bryce Wheaton outside. Yeah. Marcus Wheaton's an NFL guy, right? Yeah. Freudian. So James on one side, Wheaton on the other. Um, And then Simmons has played inside and outside, which is kind of interesting because, and I'm not making this comparison, but like Sills played inside and outside, but he always stayed in the field and he would shift outside when they used two receiver packages. Um, Brown's offenses, Trickett's offenses, Scott's offenses, they've used, you know, 20 personnel and 21 personnel before a lot. So I think that they like what they can do there, which means that if they're cross-training Simmons, that means they can keep him on the field as often as possible. So if they go with three receivers or two receivers, he's going to be there. And that makes me think that they like the idea of two and three, which means if they're using two, they're using a tight end and two running backs, or they're using two tight ends and a running back. I think that they kind of like what they can do there with that. So that's interesting to me. I'm not sure they have great depth, though. I don't think you're going to ever see them doing five wide. I would be surprised maybe if they do a lot of four wide stuff early um, because the offensive line. And also because I just think of their best packages and the way they get their best five skill guys in the field um, is using multiple running backs or having an H-back tight end in there a lot or using two of the uh, tight end slash H-back body. So um, need some time there. Uh, I think the fact that they took a transfer from Temple if they want to get eligible probably answers your question a little bit. It's more of a concern because I don't think anybody thought they were trying to pull a receiver. No. I think they were looking at some combination of defensive line, offensive line to get to three with those scholarships. So um, maybe defensive line is overachieved a little bit, and that took some of the heat off there. You can go get a receiver. But I, I think that answers some questions about people who are here and may not be here long or people who are here and maybe aren't where they need to be just yet. Yeah, that's exactly what I was uh... – that's a great way to answer that question. Giovanni Haskins, the tight end, looks like an NFL player to me, just physically. I'm not talking about his production. I'm not talking about um, you know, what I've seen or heard. Just looking at pictures of him, he looks like an NFL player. He looks like an NFL body, as Dana would talk about often. Um, and it sounds like he's coming along, coming along very well. Michael Laughlin still on the men from his injury, um, but it sounds like they're confident in the tight end relatively. Uh, according to what you're saying and according to what I've heard. I, I think Haskins is probably quietly had a really good spring and, and they're trying to keep a cap on that. Yeah. Um, and that, that's been good. Now behind him, just don't know. Uh, Banks is a big guy who is just kind of raw and it's not his fault. He just didn't have a ton of opportunities last year and, you know, wasn't in that line of people to get on the field late in the season because, he had an NFL guy in front of him, and Haskins, by the way, was the second stringer, so that's hard. Uh, O'Loughlin's coming back from a knee. You know, Beal is a guy they really like, the 29-year-old former baseball yeah. player. How much does he have? I don't know, but I think that's a guy they can stick on the line if they have to sometime down the road, and he can block, or maybe he can run out, you know, catch a pass, whatever. So they have they have ways to do that. Probably more importantly for the, the function of that position, it's going to be somebody who can get in a three-point stance behind a tackle which Wesco did with really good success last year. And they call it a sweeper. Uh, they do a lot of uh, counter stuff and, and counter steps, and they run the ball that way to get in the gaps and to kind of get the offensive line or defensive line shifting a little bit to kind of get the offensive line advantage. And if we're concerned about the offensive line, a part like that, 
that might be viable. Certainly that extra hat in the running game, an extra gap or just an extra blocker, uh, that could be important too. So I don't think you're going to see a task to the line of scrimmage too much. Uh, you know, maybe the ultimate worth of a guy like Haskins or whomever, um, or how a guy like maybe Logan Timmons gets in the field is, is how they can play that three-point position off the line. You talked about the offensive line missing sills and not being able to move the, de- the defensive line. I wonder how much of that is just the skill and talent of the defensive line, particularly the Stills brothers. I like that group a lot more than I thought I would. Um, I probably like them more than other people want to believe, but um, there is a, a really good blend of talent and experience or that I don't think people quite understand. And it may be because of the way they were used before and the way they could be used now, but you're looking at guys who have produced and either have produced the starters or backups and are ready for more. Um, you're looking at, you know, highly recruited guys, whether it's Stills or, or even Taj Austin. It was a pretty good player. Yeah. Um, just bounced around a little bit. Um, and, you know, if he's not necessarily a defensive lineman, but um, moving Cowan to Bandit last week is <laughs> kind of an interesting thing here because that's he's going to be a linebacker who can move. That's more of a pass rush, you know, defensive end kind of type there. Um, but if you're if you're moving – you know, if you're if you're going with an offensive line with Donahue, Darius Stills, Austin, and your second string is Dante Stills, Brennan Thrift, Jeffrey Pooler, you know, uh, there's there's some depth there already. That's six, and they they want to get to nine or ten. And again, do we know a lot about you know certain guys that can play nose or or like Tyrese Allen, for example? Do we know a whole lot about Tavis Lee? No, we don't. They don't need to be 45 snap a game guys. They got to be 10 or 15, which it's easier to get there in your first year. So you kind of have to rationalize it a little bit. Um, you know, how much better can Donahue be playing 40 snaps as opposed to 65? Probably pretty good. Um, stills, if, you, if you're backup Dante Stills, that's pretty good. If you're only using Tavis Lee or, you know, someone like that for 15 snaps a game, you might be good. And I really think that the two freshmen coming in, Jalen Thornton and especially Jordan Jefferson, can help. Uh, Jefferson's a man. Uh, I don't know if you follow, but he's doing weightlifting. But, like, yeah. he's clean lifting 355 pounds and bench pressing 430. He's 17. He won't be 18 until December. He's... <laughs> He's only going to grow and mature physically and fundamentally, uh, and he's going to play probably four years in or four seasons in four years. Jalen Thornton is not going to be surprised by what he encounters here because of his dad. His dad played here and his dad played 10 years in the NFL. He's going to be ready to go. Um, again, they don't have to be starters. They can fill valuable roles. And if you're rolling nine or 10 guys in or eight or nine guys, you're going to wear down an offensive line, which is what they're going to have to do. And I think the most important thing is that it sounds like they've really taken to the fact that, hey, guys, you're allowed to rush the passer. You're allowed to get in the backfield. And that's kind of eye opening for those guys, because that's not what they were conditioned to before. Darius Stills talked about that and he talked about how much he loved it. I saw a play he made on Tevin Bush in the backfield that blew my mind. Um, here, yeah. Dante Stills is going to be a backup possibly is crazy. I know, I know we're not quoting you on that. It's not in stone. But just the fact that it's even possible, um, all of that makes me feel good because I, like you, and I believe Jeremy, my brother, who's not here today, thought the same thing. I thought this defensive line was going to be a lot better than what people thought, even though we lost Kenny Bigelow and Jabril Robinson. Um, that said, I really was hoping David Long would do a really stupid thing and stay for his senior year with us because I thought him and Cohen and Tonkery 
and Qualls, even though I know the move Qualls would just have been a sick, sick linebacking core. Um, it sounds like Cohen's doing the things that they wanted him to do to be able to get on the field. Uh, Josh Norwood, Keith Washington, um, Hakeem Bailey, what's the secondary looking like at corner? Hey, I don't want to step on your toes here, but I think one of the MVPs of the camp right now for spring is Josh Chandler because Long could have done a stupid thing. But he's he's kind of eased that a little bit. He's going to be fine at will, I think. And that's another guy who's ready to go. He's mature physically and fundamentally, too. But um, the quarter thing is interesting. I think they've got three guys they really like, um, Washington, Bailey, and Norwood. Uh, and that order may change every so often. I think maybe Washington has just slipped a little bit because he was hurt for a little bit. And naturally, Bailey, and who's like Mr. Spring, if you haven't noticed, and Norwood, who's been like the A1 guy from the very beginning. But that's a pretty good set of three. The, the problem is their fourth um, – uh, Miller, the junior college transfer, yeah. I think they like, but it's green. You know, Jordan Adams, you know, they like, but he just haven't played a whole lot. You know, he's a redshirt senior who's kind of bounced around a little bit. Uh, remember, he left and came back. So you kind of wonder, guys, who transfer, can they ever get it back when they return? You know, not everybody's David Sills. So yeah. that's interesting. Um, but, you know, they, they moved some guys away, like Mahone and Long and Barry Moreland. They're not corners anymore. They're playing safety, which means they probably like who they have. I do think that some of the, the freshmen coming in are going to get a chance to make a splash. And I don't think there's any reason that a guy like uh, Tavian Mayo, why he can't get in there if he's as good as they think he is. And that's a guy that, you know, that at Troy, they identify. They liked him. So um, I don't think they're scared to put him out there. But they're top three, four right now. If Miller can get there, pretty good. And probably that's all you really need, I think. We've seen them get through, you know, games before. Can you get through a season? I don't know. And then, you know, what can we, what can we expect from a guy like Bailey, who, again, we know he's had good springs, but can he be consistent on there? Can Norwood and Washington hold up a whole season? They were good last year. You know, can they do it again? We'll see. And then we get to the safeties. Of course, anchored by Kenny Robinson, the man, all Big 12, um, potential All-American. Uh, what are we thinking with the other safeties that join him back there? Pitts has been great, it sounds like. Um, and I think him and Robinson are a pretty interesting combination. I think they're similar players. They're both really athletic guys, you know, offensively talented players in high school who just happen to be defensive backs in college and probably could have played um, on offense in college just so they want to go to different schools, but they think they want to go to a certain level. And they understood that, you know, their, their best chance at success in college or perhaps beyond is on defense. Um, and then that, that other safety spot is, is Giovanni Stewart. And then a big gap behind him, not because the guys aren't good. It's just that he's so, he's so fit for that spear spot. Um, that's kind of gone unnoticed that, you know, a guy who was a five foot eight, a hundred and I don't know, 90 pound linebacker last year. Well, on the strong side, he's yeah. playing that spear spot now, which is like part defensive back, part linebacker. It apparently has gone really well. And I don't, I don't know if people know about this, that one, that dude's really tough. And I've had people tell me he is one of like the meanest and also fastest guys on the team. Like you don't mess with him. And you know, if you're on the line of scrimmage and if you try to run by him, he's going to catch you um, I, out in space. That's a really interesting player. And I think it's probably going to be one of those keys to the defense that, you know, that change has been good for him. He's gotten to a spot that doesn't exist in the other, any other defense. He reminds me of Bob Sanders. He reminded me of that last year, and he reminds me of that this, uh, you know, coming in this year. And I was hoping he'd get a spot. The fact that they found one perfect for him uh, makes me excited that he doesn't have to try to conform. He can just go play. We love our man, Jim Ashley, the quintessential businessman and international world traveler, Jim Ashley. We thank you for being a sponsor and partner with the show. We love having you on. Can't wait till you're here again. 
We want to give a big, loud shout and proud applause to sports fans. Mr. Chad Rogers doing big things down there in Taze Valley. If you get a chance, go check him out. He's got your gear, he's got your autographs, and he's got the events. Chad Rogers and sports fans of West Virginia. Special teams is going to be emphasized. I remember the days where we literally didn't even send anyone back to field punts with Dana. Um, we are in a different space now. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I'll be surprised if it's not Alex Inkfield and Tevin Bush returning kickoffs and or punts. Am I crazy? They've thrown TJ Simmons back a lot for punts. I don't know if they're huh. trying to make that a thing or what. But um, And again, I don't know what to draw from this because they, they don't do live special teams in the spring because – you know, you, you might have guys who don't arrive till the summer that yeah. go there. And frankly, it's not that hard to do. So you, you can get it done in the camp in the preseason. Um, and you want to spend your time, you know, doing other things. They've gotten some kicking and snapping and blocking and just like shell stuff. Like just like, this is how we're going to line up. This is what we're going to do with the wedge. This is how we're going to go down and cover on the left and the right. So that stuff's happened. But so I don't really know. I know that like Simmons has been back on punt return a lot. Quincy Hall has been back on punt return a lot. And don't forget, man, like, He's five five and one hundred and sixty pounds, and you know if he gets blown up on a punt return, that may be the end of him. <laughs> but he was back there with Sills last year to return punts, yeah. and that's not a guy who's going to be a lead blocker, right? He was back there because they didn't mind if the ball was in his hands. So that's that's an interesting thing. Um, I think Sinkfield's got potential to be really good on special teams. Um, he's fast. And he's probably more suited, I think, for like the straight line and maybe angular runs on kickoff return. Yep. Uh, but like they've had guys Walford. like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Hit a crease and just pull away. But they've had guys like McCoy and Petaway back there too. And, and Petaway is sneaky fast. I don't think people realize he's one of those like twenty-one mile an hour guys in those GPS vests. He can go. So again, if you get him moving down a hill or you get him a hole, he can do something there. But I, I think that's a spot they got to find a way to get, make plays out of. They just haven't done that enough in the last couple of years and. You know, Blake Siler's in charge, and you know he learned at the tree of Bill Snyder and Sean Snyder the last couple of years. So that might be the the elixir they need. And he's an engineer, man. He's just a problem solver. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So Jeremy wanted me to ask you, who is the most quotable of the of the coaches? Well, I think if you're looking for clicks, it's probably Vic, because huh. his stories wander and and just he says the, the strangest and oddest things you know he's got a great southern personality and southern draw and he just has an anecdote about everything um he compared cowan to his son's expensive sports car that has required a lot of repairs and fixes but when it's good it runs like nobody else and it made perfect sense so that's pretty cool to me uh i really like reagan the quarterback's coach just has a way of making things simple and and kind of giving you stuff that's really useful um i I feel like this is bad like i'm impressed by all these guys because i'm just getting to know them um uh let's see uh Jordan Lashley on the defensive line is pretty good, too. I feel like that he knows everything he says could go on a recruiting brochure to a player, which is useful. But it also works good in print, too. So I'm not going to knock him for that. Uh, I like talking to Siler because he he's he gets it and he can get technical with you, but not overwhelming and talk to you about some things. I can go on and on. I really don't have uh, a favorite or a least favorite. Jeez. I think if I had to <laughs> Pogue's tough. <laughs> Pogue, Pogue, you get a little tired when you're listening to because he's all over the map and he's very excited. <laughs> he makes, you have to match his energy and it's difficult. But uh, I like him a lot and uh, 
pick one just because I, I've laughed every time and I think I've I've realized that he said something funny every time will probably be big. All right, we'll go with Koning then. All right, so now real quick on basketball. Not a lot happening, just recruiting, of course. Um, the players that are in transfer portal probably aren't coming back. I just saw Beetle in an Alabama jersey, though he said not committed. Sags, of course, said, um, put his name in for the NBA draft. The thing that I talked, we had Coach Eric Martin on, and I told him the thing that felt different this time was Sags made an Instagram post thanking Mountaineer Nation, which he did not do last year. What is your beat? What is your thought on the Sagabaknate saga? I think he's gone. It doesn't sound like – just use your eyes. I mean, people ask me questions like this all the time. And I'm like, I see the same things you do, and my eyes work and yours work, so just use your eyes. And I don't know what about the past – what are we at now? Four months makes you think that it's coming back. I don't, I don't, well, where is that? <laughs> well, here's what I didn't get. If you weren't coming back and you knew you were going pro and you weren't going to play, why would you sit on the bench and travel with the team? What's the point? Of because that? the last thing that team needed last season was a distraction. But that was and a distraction. Him sitting on the bench was a distraction. Him warming up, him celebrating with his teammates and having fans say, well, if you can jump up and celebrate with your team, you can jump up and get a rebound. That's not a distraction. <laughs> I don't have a great answer for you because, one, I gave up trying to solve him a while ago. And I think that confidentially, I think that probably WV would tell you the same, that sometimes he does things on social media. And they just go ah, and just move on to the next one. Um, uh, there's obviously issues with uh, with whoever he's getting advice from that needs to be reconciled. And I don't know if that will happen. We're talking about family there. So that's hard. Um, I can't explain what happened in the Big 12 tournament. Um I started, I guess, the, the, the innuendo about him coming back because I was told before they played Oklahoma that he would be ready to go against Texas Tech if they got through. And the idea was they wanted him, you know, he wasn't going to be 100%, but let's say he's 80%, right? Um, they wanted him at the full 80% against Texas Tech because they wanted him to win that game. And they didn't want him at the second game for the first time since, you know, December 8th. They didn't want him playing back-to-back and being like, 80% one game and maybe 60% the next. How true is that? I don't know. Makes sense. Um, I have no idea why he didn't play against Kansas, though. I understand maybe why he didn't get a, you know get off the bench against Texas Tech because they didn't need him, right? They got to a huge lead, and it's not the spot. You sneak him in. And then I don't know what happened against Kansas, so then I think about, oh, maybe he was never playing. And then Huggins says they're trying to redshirt him, which makes zero sense. Um, unless you think that he wants to become a doctor and maybe he'll stick around for two more years. And I don't know. I just think that it seemed me, the, the Instagram post seemed incongruous with what everything that West Virginia said, which makes me think that these two still aren't on the same page. It sounded like a goodbye. He had a very slickly produced highlight video, which somebody put together for him. Um, I think unless he's a whiz like that on his own, I don't well, want to take credit. Yeah. So I, I just don't, I don't know. It just doesn't match up, which makes me think that it's not matching up still because it's not going to match up again. I don't know if that makes sense, but sometimes no, you eliminate the obvious and it doesn't. Why would you eliminate the obvious if the obvious is oftentimes the response that makes the most sense? We got McBride and Sweetway in town this uh, Sunday. Um, but yeah. what about the other guys they're recruiting as far as JUCOs and kids out of high school? Kenya Martin Jr. is on the radar for a lot of people. What are you hearing? What do you know about people we should keep an eye on? You know, uh, it's it's a lot of names right now, which is yeah. probably good because they have a lot of spots. Um, but the trouble is that there are a lot of teams that do this now. Um, players, I think, are more patient than 
they were recently because of the way these things work. And what I mean by that is um, there's these players from colleges who go into the draft now and they don't know what's going to happen. Um, but maybe, you know, one of these guys in Michigan who went today and they intend to come back, but maybe they get first round grades and they say, huh, well, maybe a guy says, actually, I'd like to play in Michigan more than West Virginia. I'll wait this out just in case, because maybe he has an offer from Michigan and West Virginia. Right. Just there's different things like that that I think kids wait on now. And the longer that these guys wait, um, it's not necessarily to West Virginia's advantage if some of these high end guys from other schools become convinced they're going to stick in the draft. So they stay in the draft. And all of a sudden, you know, top 25, top 15, top five programs, they have spots and they'll go get somebody because they need somebody. And that's curious to me. So um, what I've heard is that West Virginia feels pretty good about a lot of the guys they've talked to. I would assume that a lot of schools can say that right now and that there's probably a good amount of overlap because um, I think for a while, West Virginia thought that, hey, there's a chance this Rashal, Rashal, I don't know, the kid today who committed to Tulsa from LSU yeah. and was in junior college last year, who was pretty good. I think for a while, people thought that, hey, this might actually work. Um, I'd never heard Tulsa. I'd heard other schools, but he ended up at Tulsa, which means that this is very unpredictable. So I think you want to move quickly. Um, but I think players now are increasingly more patient. And if it was my kid, that's what I would tell him to do. Take all your visits, enjoy all the courting, because it gets real once that's over. <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, how many are we going to see some of these college coaches leap to the NBA? Or how many college changes are we going to see? Um, you know, are schools going to get hit by this FBI thing? There's just, there's just a bunch of things that we don't yet know. I mean, what if what if Arizona and LSU have major shakeups and then players got to transfer freely? Well, all of a sudden, players that maybe are at Arizona and West Virginia are gonna be, or at LSU are going to be eligible next year. And bang, go, go to Morgantown. They got a spot and they got a team that needs a, a wing or a four or something like that. It's it's Boy, I'm glad I don't cover recruiting for them. Well, Mike, I appreciate you giving us your time. You were every bit as good as advertised, as always. You gave us everything we wanted, actually more than we even needed. I can't wait to start promoting this so people can come listen to it on Thursday, uh, Thursday morning. Um, I do want to ask you one question. You already already answered our three basic questions we ask everybody, but I'm going to ask you one that has come up since. Mm -hmm. Does ketchup go on a hot dog? No, man. No. No. Mike Sanders, he is on the no ketchup on a hot dog. Joe Manchin doesn't agree with you, man. And Eric Martin doesn't agree with you. Oh. Just FYI. All right. Uh, I'll I'll talk to Eric. I'll probably not talk to the the senator from Marion County. All right. Well, we'll see. If we make our if we make our run for president like you suggested earlier this year, then then I'll (laughs) maybe get you in touch with him. (laughs) <laughs> Sounds great. Hey, thanks again for coming on. Mike Casaz, everybody, tell them where they can find you, Mike, and where they can read and watch your your stuff. Check me out, earsports.com. I don't make the name, but uh, I make them um, content that they can use. All right. Thank you very much. Podcast Network.